You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Too Bad Tourists. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Travel Chat. My name is Austin. I am one half of the blogger duo, Too Bad Tourists, and joined uh, with me every episode is David. Hi, hello. I'm here, too. So today uh, we're talking about Cape Town, South Africa, and David recently spent 10 days in Cape Town uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he's going to tell you all about his trip and uh, offer up some tips and actually we'll both share some tips and recommendations uh, for your own trip because we've both been there and um, I was there back in 2016. And we'll, of course, share some tips on the LGBT scene in Cape Town, which is quite developed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode because I had a wonderful time in Cape Town. I have so many things to discuss. Uh, I think it's way more things than we could possibly do in one episode. So. I was living vicariously through the Instagram stories that you posted because I wasn't there on the trip. Uh, so I felt like I was like a fan and a follower watching our own account. I'm glad. Were. That's the point of that. I talked to my mom yesterday and she said the same. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> love that she's following um, okay, well, to get us started, before we kind of talk about um, my impressions and then go into our recommendations and things, I wanted to quiz you on what you know or what you remember about Cape Town and about South Africa in general. Does that right. sound good? Yeah, let me have it. Oh, but first, we're actually recording live in our in our new podcast. Studio. Oh, yeah, so we didn't even mention hopefully that. Hopefully, the audio quality is much better. We have sound absorbing curtains and we have a whole, we're actually recording video right now, practice. Um, but in the coming months, we're going to launch a live streaming video as part of our podcast. Yeah, and that's already made me nervous in the intro, <laughs> just having the practice camera on me. I was like, oh, this is awkward. Because then I'm like, am I looking at the like the mics now or am I focused on this camera? But anyway, yes, good things are coming. Yes. It's six, we're going to try to increase the quality of our podcast. So we're getting there little by little. Okay, Austin, um, first question. What is the capital of South Africa? Uh, it's like... It's not Durban or Cape Town or Johannesburg. It's one that I can't remember. There, it, it's a it's a trick question. There's three capitals. Oh. Was one of them correct? Wait, which I don't know what Durban, you said. Durban, Cape Town, or Johannesburg? <laughs> um, Johannesburg is definitely one of something. It's not the capital, so it's uh, Pretoria, which Pretoria, is I guess yes. the executive uh, capital. Cape Town is legislative, and then I can't say this one, Bloemfontein. That must be after which is the. Um, judicial okay capital. it's kind of like the eu how they have three different cities yeah the, so i wanted to trip you up on that one okay I, I honestly i didn't learn this uh, on my trip because i didn't even think to ask I but i was it, I yeah i was just kind of googling and researching and that was um, i thought quite interesting um how many provinces are there oh gosh no idea what do you think how, what would you guess uh maybe like 15 nine, nine okay so yeah on the lower end All compared right. to, to the u.s for example uh what's the neighborhood called of cape town Water cunt? Okay, yeah. Water cunt? De, de <laughs> <laughs> Do you want my cunt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, okay, do oh. I have to edit that out? <laughs> oh, shit. No, I don't know. It's going to be you live. We're gonna be... <laughs> you can't do the Z word on our podcast. Uh, de Vatican, if I'm saying it correctly, but yes. That, okay, good. Um, and that's in our gay guide, so you should know that. Okay, how many languages are there and how many can you name? Official languages. There's probably like nine official languages, right? Close. Can you name any of them? Only English, Afrikaans, and Zulu. Okay, very good. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play a, uh, some audios and clips from my trip. Um, so first, we're gonna listen to uh, Johan, who was one of our uh, tour guides in Stellenbosch. Did you go to Stellenbosch when you yeah, were there? The wine Which is, yeah, exactly. It's a university town in the wine region, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about the official languages. 
You probably all know we've got 11 official languages in South Africa. Um, the most spoken language at home is Zulu, then Kosa, and then Afrikaans. Um, now, the Afrikaans language was developed by the slaves. They came from Indonesia and Malaysia. It was a way for them to communicate with the Dutch people. The Dutch used to call it Kitchen Dutch, because it's the Dutch they had. Words like banana, we don't say banana, we say pisang. Pisang is an Indonesian word. Yeah, but in the 6th of March, I think it was the 6th of March, um, 1708, a 17-year-old boy was walking across the grass here, and apparently he had a little bit too much to drink. And the magistrate shouted to him through the window in Dutch, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And he shouted back, he said, don't speak to me in Dutch, speak to me in Afrikaans. He spent the night in jail, but on the court document, the magistrate wrote, we refer to the language as Afrikaans, and we will call it Afrikaans. So a 17-year-old drunk boy gave the youngest language in the world its name. <laughs> Do you know what his name was? I can never remember. A, at the old age home, there's a little plaque where he was arrested, and it's on there, and I can never remember it. Afrikaans is the youngest language in the world. It was only classified as an official African language in 1938. Wow. Kind of interesting, right? Interesting. It's like the origin story so was they, they really cool. So they for much... Longer. For a very long time before it became, yeah, before but I think that's classified. the case of many, you know, of, of for many languages. I'm sure, like, well, I guess this is a, uh, the youngest language in the world, right. which I because, also be, didn't know because it's a very, it's like it's similar to Dutch, but it's a, a variation. It's did you know that it was the? I mean, it makes sense, mm -hmm. but did you know it was the youngest language? No, nope, I had no idea. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then one of the other Zulu, he says, the most spoken at home, but the other one um, that's uh, commonly spoken is uh, Kosa. I'm not pronouncing it correctly because that involves. Um, like the clicks of the tongue, which are really difficult. So I think it's going to be like, I can't do it again. Go ahead. Closa. Closa. I can't do it. I've been trying. Okay. So that was like a side click. But anyway, um, there's, uh, oh, this is hit. Zolani is his name if without the click, who's uh, part of this um, philosoph. He's like a philosoph. philanthropic guide with uh, Utando, which is a nonprofit organization that we saw. He explains to us, uh, a little bit of the pronunciation of, of Kosa that I can't do. So I want you to listen to that as well. But best practice, practice always, as they say, makes perfect. Right. Now let's start. Polani. Polani. Okay, I'll take that. And then you can say. So those are the three different clicks that we have in this oh, course. So the letter Q is the, the letter X is the, the letter C is the. So if you fuse them collectively to one sentence, you would say. Wow. Right. It's so hard, and I, now I feel bad <laughs> for when people can't roll their Spanish R's and I right, laugh like at them, and I'm like, you can't do it. I'm like, okay, I can't do the clicks, but oh, I was wait, trying. Where does English? Is that that's kind of the one unifying language that most everyone speaks? Yeah, because it was under uh, British colonization. Just, like historically, if that's what you mean. So they're talking about uh, all the languages besides English in South Africa. Like you named the three languages, or you did. You said Afrikaans and Zulu and something. No, he. he um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, no. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he was saying that there's eleven languages, and he was saying, um, I guess some of the most spoken ones are. 
Um, anyway, okay. Um, now back to some history. So, uh, when did apartheid start and end? Oof, I feel like it started in the fifties and ended in the eighties. Okay, you're off by like a a okay. few year, like a decade 60s on each end, but not not bad. Sixties and nineties. Uh, I'll play the the history here of the apartheid. This is about a minute. The legacy of apartheid is going to be with us for many years to come. Does anybody know what year apartheid came to officially came into place in South Africa? 1948. Oh wow! But if anybody knows anything about history. We know that segregation, apartheid, existed throughout the colonized world in the 1940s. But what's made South Africa unique was that in 1948, the National Party government, the new apartheid government, came to power with their official policy being our racial characteristics. The color of our skin, the texture of our hair, the width and length of our nose, and in 1950, one of the very first laws they passed was called the Population Registration Act, which gave us all a definition based on our race. Okay, so that was uh, James, who's the director of Utando, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that creates unique uh, link between tourism and community development projects, which I'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. Um, but so it started in 1948, and then um, I think officially in 1994 ended, but it was like between 1990 and 1994 was go through reforms, um, which I thought was interesting because I guess for me, that was a lot more recent it's history. So recent to have a <laughs> that has, like legalized yes, segregation. which yeah, we'll talk a little bit later about that, but it's still very apparent. Um, last thing I thought would be interesting is um, some South Africanisms uh, that I heard uh, people using, and we'll see if you know what. When did you hear them? Just now or right now? I don't know. What you mean. Oh yeah, you don't know that. One of them means like, they both sound like now, but neither of them are now. Oh, is that for like, like the, South Africa? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, just now, and right. Now. Oh god, that's confusing. Now, yeah, I forget what they are. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, I this is what I was gesturing to you. I was to listen to the audio, and you were like, "I don't know what you're saying." Like, you're not listening. <laughs> I was listening. Okay, no, but before. Um, okay, Avo. What is that? No idea. Think of food. Oh, a bird. Avocado. Avocado. <laughs> no, I was thinking avocado. Okay, okay, this is what. Okay, I'm glad that you're as confused as I was. Uh, Brecky. Breakfast. Yeah. Stelly's location. Think of a city. Stellenbosch. Yeah, Stellenbosch. Uh, serviette. Oh yeah, that's a napkin. Which is you know obvious from French and Spanish, mm -hmm. but for English, I thought it was funny. Sunnies. I don't know. Sunnies. Oh, sunglasses. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Prezzo presentation yeah okay good how's it how are you doing yeah what's up how are you doing how's it these are just something here like this is i love yeah. this it's like little variations on on english that um i thought were more fun okay well if you like the show please subscribe to it on call on spotify apple or google podcasts and give the episode a like with a heart icon once it's published and you... coming soon live on facebook and youtube and twitter and linkedin oh god <laughs> too many things you can follow us on social media we're always at two bad especially on twitter since we plan to re oh wait we're not doing that part anymore <laughs> <laughs> not on twitter <laughs> It would be, but my phone's occupied recording. Uh, and please feel free to leave us a comment about what you want to hear more of. All right, let's get into our sponsor. But first, so before we continue on, let's talk about this episode's sponsor or one of the sponsors. Uh, Villa Adore 
is a gay-owned luxury villa located in the heart of Tuscany's wine country and built on the grounds of a 15th century watchtower. We're no strangers to Italy and believe it's one of those countries that's worth seeing every corner. And next to the top of our Italian bucket list has to be Florence, which is just 40-minute drive from Villa Adore. Right. So for an experience out of the Tuscan, uh, out in the Tuscan countryside, but still close enough to the city center, staying at Villa Adore is uh, perfect. The villa uh, provides an authentic Tuscan country atmosphere, stone walls, wood beams, handmade terracotta floors, and a large country fireplace, all without sacrificing uh, modern convenience and luxury. One of the villa's defining features is a large heated infinity pool an enormous pool deck uh, with views over the surrounding vineyards, and you can soak in the Tuscan sun out on a lounger during the day or the night and enjoy a cocktail by the illuminated pool. So you can enjoy a private Roman spa, which is one of the few in the region with dry and uh, steam saunas, sensory shower, and an eight-person world. God, when you give that description, I can actually see I know, myself and I'm there. I'm just the like, photos. yes, man, like, oh, take me there. <laughs> what we also love about this place is that the owners, Christian and Stephen, have ties to the LGBTQ plus community. When Stephen was a lawyer for the city of West Hollywood, he wrote the amicus brief on behalf of the cities and counties of California that its chief justice relied on to uphold marriage, gay marriage in California in 2008. So you definitely know you're more than just welcome at the villa you're with family, which is very important for queer travelers. Right, so whether you're looking for some quality time with a loved one, uh, you have a wedding, a birthday, a group gathering, work event, or just any excuse to disconnect, the villa has you covered, and they are even offering a special pride package. So you can celebrate uh, with a bit of elegance. I think it's in July. So check out the link in the show notes uh, of this episode and start planning your dream trip. Yay, that's going to be a fun pride there in Florence, I'm sure. Okay, so let's get back into our topic. Um, So I was in Cape Town earlier this month, and the reason I went was because I was on a press trip uh, with WTM, which is WTM Africa, which is World Travel Market Africa. They launched in 2014 to bring the benefits and opportunities of the global industry expertise to travel professionals in this region. And there are over 6,000 travel industry professionals that attend Africa's leading and only business-to-business exhibition for both the inbound and outbound African travel and tourism markets. So it was uh, a great opportunity to be there uh, to see this conference, although the best part of it was actually visiting the city and doing all the sites and things, which we'll dive into. Um, part of that, uh, part of WTO Africa, a section of it was Equal Africa. Right. So Equal Africa is py- powered by the IGLTA Foundation. Um, the IGLTA Foundation basically works globally to support LGBT tourism businesses through research, leadership, and education. Uh, but this specific one-day event brought together travel suppliers, buyers, and media, as well as lifestyle brands um, who are interested in the LGBT community, but all you know with the focus on the African continent. So businesses heard from influential people um, to pass on great lessons and label them to avoid mistakes of uh, brands who have superficially, you know, tried to break into the LGBT market, that sort of thing. So they engaged in uh, educational panels and talks and discussions. Uh, And if you want to learn more about Equal Africa, you can check out the link in the show notes. Yes, exactly. So um, apart from the conference, we got to see a lot of of the city of Cape Town and and the surrounding region, which was great. And I have to just say my overall impression is that it's an incredible destination. It's like, wow, destination. It totally is. And, you know, I wasn't surprised because it was, it's definitely a bucket list destination for me and for many people. So I knew that I was going to love it. Um, I didn't really know what to expect because I had never been to that region of the world. Um, But it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. And I fully intend to go back because uh, there's still so much I didn't get to see and do. So um, 
so some details about Cape Town. I don't know if everybody would agree, and I wonder if you remember if you would agree, but I found it surprisingly walkable. Like, if you're centrally located, it can't just be anywhere in the city, but if you are centrally located, and mostly I was, it was uh, very easy to walk from one point to another where I was trying to get by, and if there were places that were too far, I mean, getting an Uber is so easy. Yeah, I would definitely agree that it was easy to get around. I agree. There were some places that, that I was centrally located and I can walk. And um, But even back when I was there in 2016, they had recently launched Uber. Uh, so it was like just an easy, and especially if you're a foreigner coming to visit, it's sort of a safe and secure way to to get around that you feel comfortable with, you know, when you're in a, a completely foreign Yeah, and like Uber rides were anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes, like nothing and nothing too uh, far and, and very affordable. And Agreed. then apart from that, I mean... Like any big city, you need to be aware of where you are and pay attention. Um, but other than that, I, I loved it. Another thing I loved was the jaywalking. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is great. People just cross the street whenever the hell they want. And uh, it's a little intimidating at first because, you know, I'm not from the city. So I'm like, okay, well, if a local's crossing, I'll just cross with them. Because if they're going down, I'm going down with them. <laughs> but hopefully they're not. <laughs> So did you notice that? There was so much. I don't you were, remember. Oh it my gosh. So I was like, Jesus, I love this. Also, what surprised me was that they drive on the left. Like the British, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were a former British colony. Uh, well, I didn't, because of Afrikaans, I always think of the Dutch. And yeah. then when you look at the history, it makes sense because uh, they were colony by um, the, it's the Dutch, right? Yeah. The Dutch from 1652 to 1795. Okay. More recently, and British then colony. yeah, they were a British colony from 1795 until about 1961. Although, so ironically, the U.S. was a British colony, and we didn't take that route. That's oh, that is interesting. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. Well, that, I guess it was later. We because we broke from. The oh world. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this happened during the like car, when cars were. Yeah, industry was booming. So it is kind of funny how that. Happened and how that played out, but it's also um, a great foodie city. There are lots of restaurants, um, you know, tons of different meats, seafood, and it's quite well known for its wine, of course. Um, so I enjoyed that. So if you were into, you know, foodie things, this is a great place to to go. And if you're watching on video, I'm holding a not a South African light, but uh, a Spanish light will do just fine. Well, we should find some <laughs> South African wines here too, because I've got now. We should make a rule that every episode that we have, we buy a bottle from that. <gasps> I love that idea. If, if they produce wine. Right. Yes, that's a great idea. Another thing, um, my last impression that, about uh, Cape Town that I have to mention, of course, is the stark difference between uh, black and white South Africa. I mean, you can definitely see like the consequences and the scars of apartheid are very, very obvious and apparent mm -hmm. there. And I think maybe that did surprise me a little bit more than I... I guess it didn't necessarily yeah, yeah, expect me too. that. Well, because we come, you know, we're, we're Americans. So we come from the U.S. where, you know, racism is still an issue when we have a big black population, of course, in the country. But we've had hundreds of years, you know, or I guess we we have we come from similar situations, let's say. Um, but the U.S. has had more time, I think, to adjust. Yes, maybe not hundreds of years but yes we've had more time to adjust sure. for, i mean apartheid is much more recent it's from the yeah, early I mean, 90s i guess u.s segregation ended in the yeah 60s. i mean so, so it's, it's a few a more decades yeah, yeah. yeah but i guess in that time um you know uh, it was making a difference for sure mm -hmm. because you can definitely see that in just the segregation of the two communities uh and the living conditions of the two communities yeah, it's very recent um it's not like as soon as apartheid ended everyone just yeah moved in integrated neighborhoods it you know it takes generations for changes to happen 
And I think that um, that's definitely just worth mentioning. It's a great tourist place to go visit, but you also, I think it's good to be aware of the history and to know um, why things are the way they are. Um, they also have one of the highest income gaps in the world. The richest 10% of the population own more than 85% of household wealth, according to time.com. So I think that that was also worth uh, noting and mentioning. Yeah. Um, heavy. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I think this is no, important. I think, I, think important. It's, it's, I think it's good to talk about all the, you know, the, the, nuances. Points, the nuances. Yeah. Because we're going to get into all the um, things, the fun things and the recommendations, exactly. but I think it's good to have context as well. But before you go on, I just want to give a call out to all of our live listeners on Colin. Uh, I see John, Dave, and Lone, Lone, I'm not sure, but someone's seriously uh, thumbs up in. So thanks for that. Um, you mentioned the Equal Africa and how they had some panels. I was on a panel um, with uh, Loanne from IGLTA and also Mandima. I'm going to attempt her surname because it's uh, Kosa Asosdeklik, but Mandima Unta. Sorry that I butchered that, Mandima. Um, but uh, we had dinner and she described South Africa to me as a third world country with first world ideologies. And when she said that, I was like, yes, that's what... Uh, that's a description that I, I can see and that, uh, that uh, resonates with me because we were seeing so many great destinations because it was a press trip and they're showing these amazing places, but you're like, okay, but we're not really talking about like the history and the context of everything. And so when she said that, I was like, yes, I can, I can see that. That is a very good description. She's from uh, Johannesburg. So I appreciated that uh, kind of insight from her. And hopefully we could have her on the podcast and talk a little bit more about her home country as well. Definitely. Uh, oh, it's my turn. Yeah, this is you now. <laughs> oh, this is where I say, this is where I say, yes, David. So no, yeah, you pointed out some really great points, um, but that's a whole separate podcast, a totally different episode on its own for sure. And maybe we can do that in the future. But first, let's, uh, well, before we dive into the LGBT scene, Yeah, so we'll next, let's go into, we'll do our tips and recommendations yes. for LGBT travelers, uh, what you should uh, go do and see um in cape town specifically but before we do that let's get into our next sponsor it? which uh is spaces so we've really enjoyed using the new app because it allows us to talk directly with all of you about lgbtq plus travel gosh i'm not uh, you're not I'm, with it well, and i was like i told you like let's rehearse <laughs> because you have like you're spacey today i'm i'm paying attention to the video i'm paying attention to don't the worry line. about the, the video spare let's take it from listeners. the top i'm going to edit this right, out okay Today's sponsor <laughs> is Spaces. We've been we really enjoyed using the new app because it allows us to talk directly with all of you about LGBTQ plus travel. Exactly. So Spaces is a group chat app. Say that five times fast. Group oh, chat Lord. app. For it's a group chat app for LGBT people to connect, build communities, and even plan meetups uh, in groups that are public or by invite only. Yes, it's the only app that's here to serve the entirety of the very diverse LGBTQ plus community, meaning not just gay men, but lesbians, non-binary, trans, and any other queer identified person who wants to connect with their fellow queers to discuss their similar interests. LGBTQ or LGBTQ? I, okay, <laughs> almost got it. Almost I don't think it. it's Chris. It, it was the other one. It was like. You can't hear the mess. All right. Whether it's RuPaul's Drag Race, Gardening Tips, the MCU Multiverse, or your favorite podcasts like yours truly for Travel Chat, there are lots of spaces for you to find uh, to find yours and discuss what interests you. And it's better than other group chat platforms because it is free of all the toxicity and trolling since it's for and by queer people. So if you want more personalized travel advice and tips to help you plan your next trip, or you want to know how queer friendly a particular destination is, or maybe you want to share what's the latest news going on in your city for visitors to know, join us on our space appropriately named Queer Travel Chat. 
Exactly. So you can chat with us directly there uh, to talk all things LGBTQ plus travel and talk with others interested in travel as well. No more wine for you. Okay. So download the app to further discuss today's podcast episode with us and whatever else tickles your pickle. All right. So guys, if you want to check it out, go to careerspaces.com to find the download link, or you can find it in the show notes of today's episode. Now let's get into the homo stuff about Cape Town. Yes, Cape, Cape Town. So, uh, right. So interesting facts. In 2006, South Africa became the first African country in the world. Should I do that again? Maybe you should do that. Take that from the top. Take that from the top. <laughs> It's great to do a live podcast. <laughs> so in 2006, South Africa became the first African country and the fifth country in the world to recognize same-sex marriage. Yeah, and to this day, it's still the only uh, yeah, African country that that's has incredible yeah, the it's African continent. Huge in that regard mm-hmm. because definitely ahead um, of the game there. Cape Town's mayor on October 19th, 2022, so just last year, officially unveiled the Rainbow Crosswalk in Cape Town, saying that the district has always been home to many, if not the majority of the LGBTQ plus uh, community in the mother city. I didn't see the crosswalk because I was there in 2016. But one of my work colleagues is based in Cape Town, so she had sent some photos uh, recently in our WhatsApp group showing the the unveiling. Which, as far as I understand, then, that is the only rainbow crosswalk in in Africa. All of Africa. Not just South Africa, not just Cape Town. All of Africa. I mean, maybe there's one somewhere else, but there's, if there is a rainbow crosswalk, it's probably not rep- purpose. It's, it's not, not yeah, <laughs> and it's not representing the correct reader. Yes, exactly. Which I think is really cool because you know when if we do something like that in Madrid, it's kind of just like another rainbow. It's just celebra- celebratory. But for that, it's almost, it's a statement, yeah. and so that's like, important. For example, random tangent point: the city flag of Cusco, Peru, is the rainbow flag. Oh, that's just like a, by coincidence. Yeah, like, well, I mean, gays did just steal the rainbow, and that doesn't <laughs> feel fair. <laughs> it's ours. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. All right. So, speaking of places you should check out when you visit Cape Town, so let's just name a few like yeah, bars let's go. And cafes. Let's, yes, bars and cafes. So, I, I recommend you guys go to our website. Just Google "Gay Cape Town Guide" or go to our website. You can find it. Um, but Beefcakes is one place that's uh, basically their hot servers and colorful, colorful drag performers that make up this place. And so it's the kind of place that actually you get a mixed crowd. You get LGBT, you get gay people, but you also get lots of women who come and to enjoy the show. Um, and they serve food as well. So that's a cool place to go to for like dinner or like evening. Yeah, I didn't drinks. get to go because I didn't have time. And most, I feel like that's like a more late night thing. Yeah. I think most of my free time was kind of during the day. So that's a bummer. I did go by uh, Cafe Manhattan though. And this is um, a, an iconic spot uh, for meeting with your friends, uh, hanging out, grabbing some food. And it's been a longstanding uh, gay venue right in the heart of Devatukant Village uh, for a long time. So that's a, a good uh, staple, I would say, in, in the neighborhood there. Right. So you can also check out Pink Panther Nightclub. It's a favorite for celebrities, locals, and tourists. Um, so it's great to meet old friends, new ones, and that's the night away, also in the village. Yeah, I think that might be called like Pink Candy Nightclub now. I was trying to find it online, and I think they, it's, they still got a pink thing going okay. on. But I think So the name might be a little bit yeah, messed up. But, but it's, it's, it's there, right and the or they might have two. Yes, okay, it is. So, okay, so check out in the guide. Um, you can also day. go to 021, which is a gay bar and social club near Long Street with all the, the genres of music and artists, a lounge bar setting, and drinks are not too expensive, so another good spot. And if you're looking for something uh, R-rated, you can go to Shaft. R or X? X, excuse me, or triple X rated. Uh, It's a men-only cruising bar um, in Observatory Cape Town. 
uh, with different dress codes, like underwear night, towel night, naked night, and things like that. Lots of dark rooms. Um, I'm sure I haven't visited there. I wouldn't know that place at all. Um, <laughs> but you should check it out. Uh, don't I, don't I, take my I would never it. go either, but if I, had, don't take my <laughs> if I had, had time, I would have. Uh, there is, uh, for, some, uh, for an event, there's Cape Town Pride, which is held in February, March, kind of depending on when Mardi Gras is, it coincides with that. Um, and it's been going on since the early 2000s and attracts a crowd of about 10,000 people. And the Pride Parade is typically held on the last Saturday of the uh, Pride event, which is usually about 10 days. Yep. And last but not least, there is a gay beach in Cape Town, or at least just outside of Cape Town. So Clifton is a trendy um, and like a high-end suburb of Cape Town. And this is where you'll find some of the best beaches. Uh, ironically, the water is warmer in winter than in summer, which is kind of interesting. Um, but pretty much all year around, the water is actually usually pretty chilly as far as yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's Town, always cold. It's more like kind of beach weather, but you dip your toe in and that's kind of about it. Um, even when it's warm. So, but there's there's also like uh, four beaches there, and the third beach is designated. So those are like the queer specific um, venues that you can go check out. Um, but we also, of course, you can do the typical sightseeing as well, so we can get into that. But um, I think some helpful tips if you're just going to be visiting um, Cape Town or South Africa in general um, that we can give you. Um, for example, the a power adapter. Do you remember like buying the? Yeah, it's like one that looks like nothing else I've seen. So yeah, it's like a three prong one. You gotta buy one for South Africa. They do, as far as I understand, they do use the standard EU one as well in many locations. I think even at home they might have two power outlets, okay. and at the hotels they often did. So you might be able to get away with an EU one if you have it. But I think just to give you more plug options, and then just in case, because depending on where they're located, have both. Um, so that was not? yeah. I bought. I have both the EU and the South African one, and I was using both all over the place. Okay. So it was, it's definitely worth it. Um, tipping is common. So um, t this is what I was doing and what I was told to do by the locals is that 10% is the minimum kind of base tip. But if you really think um, it's good service and they deserve it, you know, up it to 15, 20% as well. But it is a tipping based uh, economy and, um, you know, throw your money around. Uh, load shedding. Do you remember load shedding there? I, I don't think it happened when I was there, but I know because of my colleague in South Africa, she talks about it often. Yeah, I had never heard of this, but it's just the scheduled uh, power outages so that you can relieve stress on the, the energy sources there. So especially when you have a higher demand for electricity than that it can supply. So it doesn't really affect the tourist areas or the hotels um, because, of, of course, with tourism, That's they want to prioritize. And it's like the hospitals and then the yeah, hotels. Yeah. Um, but for locals, it definitely does. But if you were like hanging out in the hotel and the power goes out for like a second, you just got to wait and it'll a generator will pop back on. And okay. so did you not experience that? No, I didn't because I was always in tourist things. But okay. my, my colleague will often occasionally she'll have to miss a meeting or she'll have to call in like on her cell phone because she doesn't have Wi-Fi at home because the power's out. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens occasionally, especially in for like hours. Of, yeah. Right. Yes. When, when energy demand is high. Yes, exactly. So that's like the Hava schedule and mm -hmm. you can check. So um, I think mm -hmm. that's worth knowing before you go there. So, you know, kind yeah, of what's like going if, on. If you rent an apartment, for example, an Airbnb, it might actually affect you more than yeah. a hotel would. Yeah. Or if they're just even talking about it and there's yeah. signs and you're just like, what, totally. what the hell is going on? What is this? Um, for safety, some people were a little bit like uh, asking me, you know, how like, is it? You're is going it, to have yeah, like, is crazy? it safe? And like, yes, of, of course it's safe. Like any big city, it's going to have its fair share of crime. Um, you know, you got to just be smart about where and you're going and what time of day. But if you're around the center and especially during the day, um, you should be fine. Don't just walk around with your iPhone looking lost, of course. Yeah. But um, you know, be smart and yes, so, it's totally so safe. Normal sort of 
Absolutely. Um, tips to follow in any big city? It, the same tips I follow when I was in Chicago and exactly. New York and exactly. London and yeah. Madrid. Yeah. You know, yeah. just, you know, being... It's a place you can visit. Foreigners are welcome. Yeah. Just be smart about it. Um, for, like, some food things to try, um, do you remember your impression of the food there? I can't, I can't say I remember that much, to be honest. I, like, after... I tried so much food, and then I was like, I, you know... On the plane, on the way back, thinking, what is South African food? So I just like ate so many things, and I have some suggestions here, but I still don't really because it's Maybe. just a lot of meat. It's a lot of seafood because of the coast. It's just um. Uh, still quite unique. Out as a specific style well, I'll tell or... you. Yeah, maybe it's the style that I can't place in yeah. my in my head still. Maybe because I'm not familiar with um, the local cuisine still. But one of the things I really liked was uh, called like uh, I'm going to butcher all these names. Sorry, but Cook Sister or Cook Sister. Uh, which is like a deep fried dough that's drenched in syrup and it's typical of South Africa and Cape Town. And it was so yummy. They gave it to us a lot at the hotels when we checked in and I loved it. I think honestly, the most I know about South African cuisine is what I saw your Instagram stories because you were... I tried to, yeah. One out of every two photos was like the food you were eating. And then, you know, I didn't know if it was something typical or just, you know, their take on it. But anyway, another thing they tried was um, biltong. Did you try this? Do you, does that sound familiar to you? It does not. It's basically like a beef jerky. It's a dried and cured meat. Okay. Um, and that was typical. And then another one, uh, a dish that's quite popular there, was uh, baboti, which I'll play a little uh, description of of what that is, but it's um, a common dish. That's why if you look at our food, um, we don't, it's not heavily spiced, but it's a lot of the spices, the masalas and so on from Indonesia and Malaysia, um, like baboti. Chutneys, some people eat it with coconuts, some, with some people put banana on there. Is it not typically a breakfast thing? No. no. <laughs> it was on the menu. It was on the breakfast menu. For the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything. We I wouldn't know either. <laughs> I was excited to see it. So, so it's just a spicy. Movie. This is, uh, yeah, that was, was mostly your group just laughing about. The well, but he was describing that was Johan, our, our tour guide from Stellenbosch, who was describing what it was, and that was Ramsey, one of the journalists on the press trip with us, who I. I'm happy to <laughs> right? happy to play that clip of him having it for breakfast, which apparently committed this big faux pas by having oh, it for breakfast. But um, you know, we don't know <laughs> when you're ordering things. So um I didn't get to try it, but now, you know, after preparing this, I'm like, oh, I wish I had known that I should have tried this. Um, but there was I, I so overall much, the food so much, so try, much so yeah, much and it was do. so good, so many different influences and, and because of, of Speaking of things to do, I mean, one of my favorite things, let's talk sightseeing and activities, right? Yeah, yeah, let's go into it. So one of my favorite things is, I mean, Table Mountain is like the huge, like mountain cliff sort of thing that like you can see from every part of the city. And it's what makes the landscape of Cape Town. So you can't visit Cape Town without visiting Table Mountain. The views are incredible. And it's just like such a, uh, an awesome 
visual masterpiece, not a masterpiece, but it's just- a, Well, it is, it's it a, is. a natural masterpiece. It's a natural masterpiece. I always describe Cape Town as like, the, the, I mean, I've been to 60 countries in the world and like Cape Town, I think is the most beautiful city I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I can see why you would say, I'm not sure if I would say that, but yes, it's, it's one of, yeah, for sure. It's absolutely stunning, yeah. breathtaking. Um, that mountain also, I think, has some, uh, how do you call it? But plants that are specific, native to that specific. Only there. Yeah, only there, because when it was a little island, uh, you know, when it was surrounded by the ocean, it was, the plants were endemic to it. So it's kind of really cool. You can go up, uh, you can hike up it. You could go um, abseiling, which is uh, just rappelling down the side of the mountain, or you could uh, take the cable car for 20 euros um, or $20, whatever, uh, round trip. Another fun thing. Actually, may, may I take it back? Like my favorite thing that I did was what you're going to say right now. Yes, shark cage diving. So we went diving with great white sharks in the middle of the ocean. So I didn't get to see any great whites. Uh, it's in my audio clip. I'll oh, explain. So yours were not great whites. No, no. That's did you they, see great whites? That's why they are. Okay, so when I saw your video, you guys would have like five or ten sharks swarming all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I was so confused because they told me great whites never appear more than one at a time. Yeah, let me um, explain that right now. So okay. this is um, this we went with uh, white white shark projects, and um, a staff member there uh, is telling us a little bit about the sharks. Okay. When the great white sharks are here, they're feeding on smaller shark species, big game fish, and skates and rays and things like that. They might also feed on seals, which they can pick up from our island, which is just over there. The island that you can see clearly there, that is Dyer Island, and that's a marine protected area and a bird sanctuary. It's about 27 different species of bird on the island there. But just behind that island is another small island or rock called Giza Rock that is home to our seal colony. We have a population of about 70 to 80,000 seals, which is what has always attracted great whites into this area. So if they want to pick up a seal, they'll head up there, grab a seal, but they'll generally come back inshore again. Great whites are inshore predators. They like to relax inshore. They like to chill inshore. Um, so they come back inshore to take that sort of downtime. Okay. Now when the bronze whaler sharks are here, and this is the species that these ones out here are seeing at the moment. Okay, the bronze whaler sharks are another big predatory shark species that we have around the South African coastline. They grow up to about three and a half meters in length. They are a schooling shark, so we generally get more than one shark at a time. And they're very curious and inquisitive. They love to come and check you guys out in the cage. Now, it might even rub themselves against the cage a little bit sometimes. So please, when they do that, do keep your hands to yourselves please don't make any attempts to touch the sharks okay now the bronze whaler sharks when they're in this area they're feeding on small fish like mullet and sardine they'll also feed on small sharks that swim along the bottom of the sea floor and they'll also feed on things like octopus as well now the bronze whaler sharks are the species that we are predominantly diving with at the moment okay the reason for that is because the great white shark numbers around south africa are actually incredibly low there's probably only a few hundred individuals left around our entire coastline and this does mean we don't see as many great white sharks as we used to see here okay yeah so you went seven years ago right yeah. so i met it might have been easier to see them 
then. I mean, they still do see them, but you never know when you go out if you're going to or not. Yeah, so they specifically said great, great whites will only approach one at a time, and then the bigger one always goes first, and then as soon as the bigger one leaves, then another one might be waiting that you can't see, and then they approach. That's terrifying. So when, yeah, <laughs> when we saw them, I mean, we saw, uh, like, definitely we saw three meter long, but but maybe we saw bigger. Well, these, I already forget the name of a bronze whatever she said. whale or whatever, yeah. go back. Uh, sharks were still really cool to see. I, I, oh wasn't, dis- I wasn't disappointed yeah, by not uh, seeing a great white. Shark. Yeah. I mean, you, and it was cool. You guys, and they're school like, sharks. Yeah. So they're like all together. Yeah. Swarming all at the same time. That was incredible. Yeah. I, I still absolutely loved it. And then we also saw a huge stingray as well. Um, so it was an incredible experience, mostly because I had never done anything like it. So that yeah. definitely stands out to me. Me too. I described it as so. From Cape Town, you do actually have to travel quite a bit. It's maybe like yeah. a two-hour drive. It's, not it's a day close. trip, so it's a trek, but it's like it's worth it. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the top experiences that I've that I've done on my. Travels. I agree. We went with uh, White Shark Projects again, so you can check out their link in the show notes as well. Um, another thing that I didn't participate in because I don't have a death wish is the helicopter ride of Cape Town. Um, but other people in my group went with I don't know if they're called NAC helicopters or NAC helicopters. Um, but I didn't go because I'm against, <laughs> I'm against flying in the air for fun. <laughs> like if I in need to, fairness, yeah. like it's totally safe. They have a completely like great safety. Oh yeah. I'm not trying to knock them. Yes, of course. But, uh, I got on a plane obviously from Madrid and flew to Cape Town. No big deal. If they had told me, you know, get in this helicopter ride, we're going to fly you to a vineyard to yeah. drink wine. I would have been the right. first one on the helicopter, <laughs> but they were like, we're just going to fly around in the air and then land. I was like, no, pass. Like, why? But then uh, when they got off the helicopter ride and I saw their videos and their photos, I was like, oh, my God, those well, views. And it goes to the point that I said that Cape Town for me is is if, if it's not the, the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I mean, it's in the top five, three. So it makes sense that to be able to see it from the air. Yeah. Is like incredible. The Honestly, I, I was jealous when I saw that. So I was like, OK, I definitely missed an opportunity here. Yeah. So, so as I, as, I do recommend it. As long as you're not like you know, like David, super hesitant, like check them out. Um, it's a, Well, it's funny. Thing. Everyone had their limits. Like other people did not go shark cage diving because they're like, you know, fuck sharks. And right. then they got in the helicopter right, and I was right. like, uh, fuck flying. <laughs> I'll swim with the sharks. Yeah, so it's like, like everybody has their limits For to sure. each their own, but that's kind of the fun thing about, you know, yeah, you Cape Town and South Africa. Yeah. There's so many choose. like cool adventurous things to do. And people push their limits in different ways. So um, that's pretty cool. All right. And on the safer side, you can check out the VMA waterfront, which is basically like a, you know, waterfront where there's a food market, different local shops and handicrafts and things like that. And that's where you catch the ferry to Robin Island, which is where Nelson Mandela was held as a political prisoner uh, for 18 of his 27 years. I didn't do that, but I think you guys went on a boat ride, but didn't go to Robin. We didn't go. And if I had more time, I would have gone to Robin Island. I know that that would be a great, again, I told you I want to go back. Um, but if you are at the VNA waterfront, you can do a boat cruise and, um, you can kind of see the coastline, see the sea lines and the marine life. So we went with wild horizons waterfront uh adventures you can see the link in the show notes as well they, we did like a 90 minute cruise that was uh open bar but it was like morning so i was like okay well i'll only have two <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but i still had more than they everyone probably else only do open bar morning cruises so no one probably don't even do it up night but there was we'll get so uh, i mean i with the right people would have kept going <laughs> i was like keep it together david oh, and he also we also saw uh dolphins as well it was great because it was like 
as soon as we entered the ocean, it's like all of this sea life. You're like, well, that was really easy yeah. and uh, beautiful to see it in, in nature. Also, you can check out Long Street, which is a major street located in the center of Cape Town. There's lots of bookshops, restaurants, uh, and bars. It's a really hip and trendy area. I remember I, I had lunch there. It was a really cool, cool hotel. I checked out, I think it's like the Long Something Daddy Hotel, mm. and they have like trailers on the top, like those Airstream trailers, those like metal ones, and you can like stay in them. So it's like on the 10th floor, it's outside rooftop and then they have trailers where you can actually rent it was really cool. oh that was on long was long street long okay street, yeah. that's cool um yeah it was, there was just a lot of cool places mm -hmm. bars shops around there so um a good suggestion then uh leaving the city of cape town uh and you should you should see the surrounding area because it's wine country out there so there's lots of great uh vineyards to check out um Stellenbosch is uh, a town that we spent a lot of time in. So it's a university town on one end and like a wine country on the other. So I was like, God, I wish I had studied <laughs> here. I would have never <laughs> passed or gotten my degree. Uh, but one of the great places we went to was um, Jordan Wine Estate. And uh, we got to sample some of their wines and see their accommodations. They had this newly opened restaurant that is definitely one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen because, you know, you eat wonderful food, you drink wine that's from the vineyard right there. And then they had this big open wall and you just overlook all the vineyard and the weather was perfect and, and the service was great. It was really incredible. Um, this is called uh, the Jordan restaurant with uh, Mar Martinez uh, Ferreira, I'm butchering the name, um, but I'm going to play a little clip of, um, of Taya, who's from Jordan Vineyards. And she's talking about the Chardonnay and the Chardonnay was like their kind of uh, feature and and uh, main wine. But um, one of the ones that I liked was called, it was their Cabernet Sauvignon. And they named all their wines. The, the name of the wine is not just the Cabernet Sauvignon. It's like, has a fun name to it. The one I liked was called the Long Fuse and it has like a cool story to it. So uh, she'll explain that. So this is called the Long Fuse. Okay. Ah, it's a Cabernet, 100% Cabernet. And um, the story goes, so across the way here, you see where we have this beautiful fallow land with a brand new road through it. We just put this road through this road, this um, piece of, of vineyard. This spot was identified for growing Cabernet. And so we started plowing the fields and getting it ready to lime it and getting the soils all nice and neutral for the planting. And Gary discovered these two huge subsurface granite boulders. They were about 10 square meters each. And um, the only way he was going to get rid of them was to blow them up. And so it necessitated 300 charges of dynamite. But Gary added some manure for good measure. And then it resulted in the longest fuse that the company had ever done. So it went all the way back down to the cellar. And it took two and a half minutes for the fuse to from lighting for the explosion to happen. Sure. But then as the explosion happened, a gust of wind came from the other direction, the wrong direction. And it took out that pump house. The boulders took out that pump house. We had shards laying on top of the cellar roof. And as you can see, 10 years later, there's still no cabinet planted oh. in our bedroom. Wait, are you saying there was piles of that went flying everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> And so in honor of us still not having Cabernet, Gary's like, we, we're calling it the long fuse because it's the longest fuse that can be So it's like, when you buy the wine, it's Cabernet Sauvignon 2020 is the, the vintage, but they call it the long fuse. And it's like, it has that nice personal touch to it, which I like, because it's still like a family run and, uh, and operated uh, vineyard. So it's really good. But you got the idea of like the cow manure oh exploding and landing everywhere. <laughs> 
Uh, so that was oh, one of the best uh, wines that, that I had. We also uh, went to Lanzarote, which is another vineyard that was established in 1692. They had a fantastic restaurant. I think we did, I don't know, five or seven course dinner there. Only? <sighs> so much food. Um, they had gorgeous accommodations. The, I mean, even just the bathroom. I just wanted to stay in the bathroom. It was huge. And I saw this tub and I was like, I'm never going to take a bath, but that bath is beautiful. And then, of course, I took a bath because like, I have to. And they had a nice uh, outdoor pool, an indoor pool, a gorgeous one. And then the third one, oh, God, I can't say this one. Uh, Vergon... Ver Vergono. Try it again. Vergono. Third time's a charm. How would you say that? Okay, uh, Virgonod Low Wine Estate. You can see it in the in the show notes. Sorry, I'm butchering all of these, but uh, they go back to 1696, and um, that again another great accommodation. We had like a private patios in our accommodations, a nice plunge pool, outdoor shower, views of the the vineyards so from the, the room. Basics? Oh my God, just incredible. <laughs> the the place to eat there is Clara's Barn, which is you know quite literally a barn that was converted into a restaurant. Again, they do like five or seven course tasting menus, incredible um, places to see. So all of those uh, recommendations are in the show notes and I will be updating our, our gay guide to add those as well because they're absolutely worth uh, checking out. And the last thing, you, did you visit the townships no, when you, okay. I didn't have a chance. Because this was kind of definitely towards the end of the trip, the thing that I thought was missing because we were seeing all these wonderful, beautiful places, but I was like, like five-star resort. Yeah, of course. And, and I was like, like, where's, where's the rest of South Africa? Yeah. I was like, this is not the whole story of South yeah. Africa. And I want to, you know, see all of it. You know, you want to see a, a good representation of it. So if you want to do that and I recommend that you do, um, you can uh, book a tour with uh, Utando, which is um, which means love in, in Kosa. And they are an award-winning fair trade uh, and tourism certified nonprofit organization that creates a unique link between tourism and community develop development projects. So they have lots of projects going on, um, like a dance school. Uh, they support uh, a local choir, um, organic gardens. So tons of things, uh, schools, building um, primary schools out of recycled materials well, and to take a step back for people who are not familiar with the townships in south africa oh so, yes please, so these are you. essentially like the lower income communities which tend to be more like the the local black populations that live in these communities and they're a little bit more how else would you describe it because you saw it yeah it's exactly that um i called them because they're like these makeshift uh settlements basically yeah. and i and i refer to them as, as shanty towns and then i was informed to not call them shanty towns that they should be referred to as townships okay. so just to know but that's the whole idea they're, they're makeshift housing right. that's not but it's but as you said you know before south africa someone a local described it as a third world country with a first, first world ideology ideology yeah. so so you you can't ignore the fact that there there is a lot of you see it as soon as you land and you're driving poverty, into the city yeah right? it's all there there's yeah. lots of poverty in in the country so you know the the places that you saw on your trip were just one part and so it's interesting to see other parts in different communities because even though communities might be impoverished it doesn't mean they don't have anything interesting and off to offer yeah they still have a culture there guys, I was watching your videos on Instagram with the different dances and, you know, the different performances they did that were really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, you don't want to, obviously you're not going to just rent a car and drive into a township. You don't know that would obviously be dangerous. You don't know what you're doing or where you're going. So working with this organization is great yeah. because they are going to, you're also supporting these, these local projects. Your money's going to that. So I like that they're, you know, trying to 
use tourism to elevate these communities yeah, instead of taking advantage great. of them. And I think that's fantastic. I'll let uh, James, who's the director, uh, describe it a little bit better than I can. Social entrepreneur groups, or whether we are introducing uh, community projects to the tourism industry, like choirs, we can sing at conferences, for example. Uh, we're just looking at all ways of how we can raise awareness and support for community projects within the tourism space. Uh, in the last uh, few years, we've had some, we don't only do groups of this size, but uh, we have had some really interesting groups would be an example. In 2019, we had about 90 mostly African-Americans from the East Coast who were in Cape Town for the Jazz Festival. So there we go for three days, two days they spent at the Jazz Festival and one day they spent with us um, visiting music and jazz programs in the townships where they got to uh, interact with, listen to, jam together, uh, local uh, music schools and, uh, and for that day, you know, each of the schools that we visited received very generous uh, contributions as a result of the money that they paid over. So we are also very uh, passionate about uh, really explaining uh, to visitors why we have townships, why are we living in uh, Cape Town is, is still, you know, a really segregated uh, city. Um, and I think education and understanding the history and the current dynamics of the country is is really critical. I think that was a pretty good description. So especially we talked about the that group of African-Americans who went for a jazz music festival and then, so they're there for tourism, but then get to experience, you know, the townships as well and see you know, a, a more full picture of, of South Africa yeah, nice. and, and Cape Town more specifically. So I thought that was cool. I definitely recommend um, uh, checking out Udando. And again, that is on um the, the the link is in our show notes um to finish up at the very end when we say goodbye i'll play uh the choir that we listen to i have a minute long clip of that and they're called uh, isibani which means uh the light of the light because they call themselves the light of south africa and uh they have like traditional gospel choir music which were incredible so i'll finish off the we'll say goodbye with that okay sorry right. okay so um I guess we're gonna. That's kind of all our suggestions. So it was a long episode yeah, today. Yeah, it's a long, long episode. But thanks, guys, for hanging in there. Um, I don't know if we still have some live listeners, but if you've hung on, yeah, we have one. So thanks for that. If you're watching on this video, which is just my iPhone, which is going to be me <laughs> later, thanks. We're for deleting in. that because I'm sure it's terrible. Uh, yeah, check out the show notes for all the links of all the places that we mentioned, um, and I'll turn it over to David. Yeah, and if you've got any um, specific questions or want to know more about, um, uh, you know, Cape Town, and want to ask us directly, you could find, you know, shoot us a message on our uh, social media channels. You can also uh, find us on Spaces and uh, message us in the group there. Probably in a few weeks, you'll update the Cape Town Guide. Yes, right? for sure. So today is April 18th, 19th. Yeah, so for sure. A few weeks. Um, by the end of this month, that'll be so by end of April. 
Um, if you like the show, please subscribe to it on Colin, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Give the episode a like with a heart icon once it's published. That really helps us out. You can also follow us on social media. We're always at Two Bad Tourists. And please feel free to leave a comment about what you want to hear more of. We'll always look into that and try to get those episodes out. Yeah, so we're looking forward to our upcoming episode, which is uh, going to be focused on Northern Kentucky, of all places. You know, you might, if you're from the U.S. or you know Kentucky, you might think, wow, why are you talking about Kentucky? That's a super Especially after place. we're, like, talking about Cape Town right. and now we're going to Kentucky. But, I mean, but, it's but, amazing. Uh, Northern Kentucky is sort of a liberal enclave in an otherwise mostly conservative state. Um, and so it's actually the region just outside of the, the metro area of Cincinnati on the other side of the river. So we are going to be speaking with Julia and Hannah, who are a local married couple that have agreed to be on the podcast for an interview. Julia is a business owner and Hannah is, uh, she works for a bourbon distillery. So they're going to give us- like a big thing there, exactly. right? Like Kentucky bourbon's is all about yeah, bourbon. So, so they have like this bourbon trail. That'll be good to know. About, you know, what it's like to, you know, be an LGBT local as well as if you're visiting, you know, what are some of the things to, to check out? Um, so that's an interesting kind of different type of episode. You know, we're not talking about Provincetown or Fire Island or New York or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It's I think we need to feature some of these places that absolutely. Don't know and about. also, it's going to for you know our American listeners, it's going to be a much uh, more accessible destination than yeah. places like Cape Town. They're yeah. just going to be easier to get to, which I think is great too to feature all these different destinations. So I, I like that we're I'm excited to talk to them exactly. next so, week. So so until next time. You know, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. And David is going to leave you with a final clip from one of the townships, I think. Right? From, yeah, from the Isabani uh, choir. So uh, please enjoy like as we did. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, guys. Bye. Did bye. you say bye? Bye. I feel like you have bye, to say bye. bye. bye.